Aristea Goes Everywhere Episode 12 The Order of the Dragon Every night when Aristea went to bed, her mother or her grandmother or her auntie would tell her stories of places and people all over the world. And every night when Aristea would dream, it was of great people and breathtaking places. In the morning when she awoke, Aristea would continue to think about the stories and her dreams. Aristea was sure she was a princess, because princesses sometimes had to be ready to think quickly to defend their children, like Elizabeth of Bosnia who had two daughters that became kings. Princesses also had to have a strong sense of duty, like Maria Juric Zagorka, who kept fighting for women's rights even when she spent time in jail and when people laughed at her. Aristea wasn't ready to grow up and be responsible for such decisions yet, but she wanted to be ready for them when she was older. Aristea was determined to be the best possible princess she could be, even though it meant she would have to do very hard things. She hadn't, however, decided what particular kind of princess she wanted to be yet. She loved it when her family and friends told her stories about princesses so that she had many ideas of all the things princesses could do, so she had many things to decide from. Although Aristea and her mother were visiting Zagreb in Croatia, it was nearly time to go home. As they were walking one day, her mother Antonella pointed out a very interesting stone building. Aristea, let's go over there, Antonella said. Aristea didn't argue. Her mother often introduced her to interesting places, and these nearly always led to wonderful stories. She followed quickly, hoping she would hear about something new. They followed the stone road into a large wall. It wasn't enclosed, but there was still a church inside it, even though it wasn't actually a building. Antonella put her finger to her lips so Aristea knew not to make noises at that moment, and they looked around at everything before walking out the other side of the wall. What on earth is that? Aristea asked. That, her mother told her, is the stone gate. It's the last part that remains of the original wall that used to surround all of Gornigrad, Upper Zagreb. And the church inside it is actually a shrine to Mother Mary, which survived an enormous fire in the 1600s. It's a very important place that people go to pray, but did you happen to notice anything else in there? Aristea thought for a few moments. She shook her head. No, I don't think so. There were a lot of people praying, and I was very distracted because it felt a little strange to walk through a wall. Let's go back one more time, and I'll show you, but you have to promise to be very, very quiet. Aristea nodded again, and holding her mother's hand, they walked back into the wall. Opposite the pews of praying people, her mother pointed out a very nondescript door. There was a tiny brass plaque that read, Druzhba Bracha Hrvatskoga Zmaja. She looked at Antonella a little bit confused, but Antonella again put her finger against her lips to shh her, and they walked back out of the wall. 
They turned a corner and Antonella pointed to a lovely little fountain. This is Yezuitsky Turk, she said. Let's go sit by the fisherman fountain and I can tell you all about a remarkable woman who lived in the 1600s and whose family was a part of the Brotherhood of the Dragon, whose offices you just saw in the stone gate. Aristea squealed with delight at the prospect of another story. She dashed across the square to find the perfect seat and thought how lovely a place it really was to hear a story. Do you remember Katerina Zrinsky? Antonella asked. Of course I remember Katerina, Aristea said. She was incredibly brave and smart, and her story really ended as a tragedy in the 1600s. Well, how would you like to hear about her daughter, Yelena? Oh, I would love that, Aristea exclaimed. Was Yelena as incredible as her mother? Yelena was incredible, and it was because of the way her mother raised her, Antonella said. Yelena was the Zirinsky's oldest child, and even though girls of that time weren't generally educated beyond household tasks and needs, Yelena was the daughter of a family that greatly valued learning, as you'll remember. She was taught several languages, and she was trained to write beautifully, and she was trained to run noble estates just as well as any man. And it's a good thing, because she was going to need every one of those skills after her father was killed. Before the Magnet Rebellion, Yelena married a Hungarian noble named Ferenc Rakoci. Rakoci was very powerful. His mother was related to a king of Poland, and his father had been the Prince of Transylvania. Ferenc himself had also been elected Prince of Transylvania, but as you know, the politics at that time were crazy. He never did serve in that role. So Yelena wasn't just a princess inside, she was actually a noble princess for real, Aristeas said. Well, Antonella responded, that's complicated. But let's tell more of the story. When Yelena's father was beheaded for the magnet conspiracy and her mother was imprisoned, Yelena's husband Ferenc was also taken into custody. But since his mother was so powerful, she was able to pay a terrible, heavy ransom and spare him from execution. But even that didn't last long. Ferenc died just a few years later in 1676. And even worse, in his will he named the Emperor of Austria as the person who should be in charge of his children. What? Aristea exploded. Why did he get to decide about their children and say they should be taken away from their mother? It was how things were done in those days, Antonella reminded her. Remember, women didn't always have the rights they have now. Thank you, Zagorka. Aristea said fervently. She really did wish she could thank Zagorka in person for making sure that Aristea herself would never have to worry about someone just deciding she should have her children taken away. But Yelena was a very strong woman, Antonella continued, and she fought back. She managed to keep her children, and not only that, but to take over the running of all her husband's family estates. And she was very very good at it. The people who lived on her lands became extremely loyal to her, 
particularly because she allowed them religious freedom when her mother-in-law had been quite vicious to non-Catholics. Aristea rolled her eyes upon hearing about Sophia Bathory's meanness, but she didn't say anything because she really wanted to hear more about Yelena. Yelena eventually decided to remarry, and it was to another powerful man who fought against the Habsburgs in Croatia and Hungary. His name was Imre Tokoli, and it was with Yelena's marriage to Imre Tokoli that her life was really shaken up. You see, when the Habsburgs executed all the leaders of the Magnet Conspiracy and then began to persecute the Hungarian Protestants even more viciously, it didn't cause people to cower and be afraid as the king thought it would. It just made them hate the Habsburgs even more. An entire Hungarian movement started to get rid of them, even if that meant working with their other enemies, the Ottomans. This is precisely what Imre Thokoli did. So when the army of the Sultan marched toward Vienna in 1683 for the famous siege, Yelena's husband didn't come to Austria's aid. But, as we know because of the magnificent charge by the Polish cavalry, the Ottomans lost this war. And that meant Yelena and her husband were again targeted by the Habsburgs. The Imperial Army showed up on the doorstep of her castle at Mukachevo and started a siege while Yelena was inside. Please tell me how much tragedy I need to prepare for here, Aristea said. Well, Yelena was not killed at this siege, her mother replied, and she didn't die in terrible circumstances, and she never gave up. But she also never got what she was working so hard for. Aristea screwed her face into an expression that showed she was thinking hard. There was a lot to weigh when deciding how much of a tragedy something actually was. I think I'd just like you to finish the story, she said, and then I'll decide how tragic it is. Antonella laughed. Aristea, you should make a list of tragedies in order so we can always rate where a story will be for you. It was a good idea, and Aristea filed it in her head to do later. Yelena was pregnant when the siege on Palinok Castle started, but the stress was just too much and she lost the baby. But still, she commanded her forces and saw to all the duties that ruling a besieged castle required. She even managed to sneak in money to help with the defenses from her allies in France and Poland. She was so good at what she did that King Louis XIV of France called her the most daring woman in Europe. But still, the Austrian forces were just too much. After three years, she had to surrender. Three years is a very, very long time, Aristea said. I'll bet that there weren't men who could have held out longer. Indeed, said Antonella. All of Europe said the same thing. And not only did Yelena hold out for three years of a siege, she then negotiated an amazing deal for giving herself up. She got an agreement that her soldiers would receive amnesty, that she would be able to take her property with her when she left, that she would be treated as a princess in Vienna and not separated from her children, and several other very big concessions. But 
Yelena was making the same mistake her father had made. She was trusting the Habsburg Emperor to keep his word, and the Emperor had no intention of doing so. When Yelena left the castle, she was separated from her children and confined to a convent with nuns. She was not allowed to visit or communicate with them, although she later managed to figure out a sneaky way to do so. Aristea jumped up and stamped her feet. This is stupid, she said. If a good princess needs to follow rules and duty, then a king should as well, or he is a terrible king. Antonella smoothed Aristea's hair to calm her down. It's true that there are many kings who are not honest and do not follow their sense of duty and right and wrong. Unfortunately, not everyone with power thinks these things are important, and the Habsburgs were well known for being very sneaky indeed. Aristea sat back down to hear the rest of the story. She was still very angry at a king who didn't keep his word, even if he had died almost 400 years ago. Did Yelena stay in the convent forever? she asked her mother. No, Antonella replied. Her husband captured so many Austrian officers that the emperor had to exchange them for Yelena. But she was very unhappy as she left Vienna for Ottoman Serbia because she had to leave her children behind. I may never see my children again, Yelena wrote to her husband. Is there a harder blow to a maternal heart than that? Let no one take my pleas as evil, because in the end, every mother is just a mother. But Yelena and her husband soon had to leave Serbia for Turkey, and that is where she lived the rest of her life, always hoping to return to her family's lands free of the Habsburgs. But it never happened. Although her son Ferenc II also led a rebellion against Austria, it wasn't successful either. And at one point, he was arrested and put into the same jail where his grandfather had been beheaded. Aristea gasped. Oh, don't worry, Ferenc managed to escape. And Yelena lived long enough to know that her son had escaped the Austrian emperor. That's a very good thing to know, Aristea said. I'll bet it made her feel much better. It did, Antonella replied. And although Ferenc II wasn't successful, he also managed to escape the big final purge of Hungarian nobles by the Austrian emperor. So that was good too. I really don't think I like that emperor, Aristea said. She was quite offended by injustices and really felt that the emperor's actions were incredibly unjust. A lot of people did not like that emperor, Antonella said. In fact, a lot of people don't like any emperors or kings, and entire countries were founded on that idea as well. Aristea looked up hopefully. She was hoping she would get just one more story while they were sitting by the lovely fountain in Jesvitsky Turk, but Antonella was ready to go. And really, that was okay too. It was a beautiful day, and stories made days even better. But it was getting late, and Aristea was getting hungry. She knew that if she didn't eat soon, she was going to be quite cranky and irritable, and those were not good behaviors for someone trying to be the best possible princess she could be. And Aristea really did want to be the best possible princess she could be even if not all kings felt they needed to be good kings. <laughs> <laughs>